The Bible was not written to you. It was written for you. You say, what? The Bible was not written to you, but it was written for you. Hey, listen, we're going to dive into this, and it's going to make a lot of sense. Let me welcome you to TEB Talk. My name is Dr. Tracy Barnes, and I am so glad you're joining us. Past session, I gave you an overview of biblical context. Context is huge. You and I need to understand context, not just as it relates to our lives from day to day, but we need to understand context as it relates to the Bible. What we discovered is that any text you read in the Bible has multiple context. There is a cultural context. There's a historical context. There is a literary context. And there is a surrounding context. Well, in this session, I want to cover cultural context, because if you are going to understand what it is you're reading in the Bible, you have first, as best you can, try to get into the mindset, try to get into the head of that ancient Hebrew or that first century Jew. Otherwise, if you don't, there's a good chance you're going to place your 21st century worldview into the text that you're reading. And I can almost assure you, you will probably misunderstand what you're reading. And if you misunderstand, then you will most assuredly misapply. And we don't want to do that. So cultural context is very, very important because cultural context for interpreting the Bible is the context of the biblical writers. That is, the context that produced the book you're reading we call the Bible. And you need to remember, and I started here, this book was not written to you or to me, but it was written for us. This book was originally written to people who lived thousands of years ago. It was a book written to people whose understanding of the world was vastly different from the world of which you and I live in today. Oh, the world is the same, but we have a 21st century scientific modern worldview of which these people did not have. So we must allow the biblical writers to inform us of what they understood. And we need to get into their mindset if we're going to understand what it is that they were writing. So to do that, to kind of get a handle on this idea of cultural context, I want to share with you four, I think, very important things we need to keep in mind. Here's the first. The biblical writers conducted their lives with a view of an active supernatural world. Now that may sound, oh, geez, that's duh. Who wouldn't? But the truth is, you and I, when it comes to the supernatural worldview of the biblical writers, we don't always get it because we live in a modern world with a modern understanding, a, wor a modern understanding that really doesn't look that much at supernatural things but simply natural things. But the biblical writers were not that way. For instance, go to Exodus chapter 12. This is really an interesting account. It is Passover. 
The children of Israel are about to be delivered from slavery from Egypt. And on the night of Passover, God is telling them this in Exodus 12, verse 12. He said, I will pass through the land of Egypt. I will pass through Egypt, the land of Egypt this night, and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and I will execute judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Did you hear that? God is going to execute judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Now, before you freak out, these gods were created beings. They were not equal with Yahweh in any way. There is just one Yahweh, and He is the creator of all. In another session, I'm going to get into these gods and who they are and where they come from. But they were there, and they were very much real. And God is going to execute judgment on these gods of Egypt. If they were not real and they did not exist, then what exactly is God executing judgment on? Well, let's take another text. Let's move it to Exodus chapter 20, where now the children of Israel are safely out of Egypt through the Red Sea and camped out near Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up on top Mount Sinai to receive the laws of God. Some of those laws we refer to as the Ten Commandments. Did you know what the very first commandment was? Number one, the very, very first one. It reads, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You, that is you, Israel, shall have no other gods before you. That's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before you. Now, keep in mind, these people lived in a world where their understanding and their view of that world was an active supernatural world. And God is telling them, you will have no other gods before you. I alone am your God. I am the Lord, your God. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. And again, I remind you, these gods are created beings. They're not on equal standing with Yahweh. He created them. But you need to be aware of this. Or take Psalm 82.1. Here's a very interesting text. It reads, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. God has taken his place in the divine council? What is that? And he's going to hold judgment upon the gods? What is that? Well, keep in mind, it's in your Bible. And if you're going to understand it, you've got to get into the mind and to the heads of these ancient Hebrews that wrote it. Well, let's move it up into the New Testament. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke writes in chapter 4 that Jesus, now having returned from the wilderness where he had that encounter with Satan, he's now back in his home city of Capernaum. He's in the synagogue, and he stands to read from the book of Isaiah. And as he begins to read, it says, Luke records for us, that is, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And this demon cries out through the man to Jesus. And he says, What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Well, 
when you're reading in the Gospels, it becomes rather obvious that demons show up everywhere. In fact, when Jesus comes on the scene and declares that the kingdom of God is now, well, that stirs up a hornet's nest. And you read about these demons in one place or another. Again, an active supernatural world. So that's the first thing we need to keep in mind is the biblical writers conducted their lives with a view of an active supernatural world. Here's the second thing we need to keep in mind. The biblical writers had a pre-scientific understanding of the world. What I mean by that is the ancients had no understanding of, say, biology or meteorology or even genetics. They were a pre-scientific people. These people believed that the seat of emotions, that is, the way they thought, all of that originated in their gut, in their intestines and their kidneys. They did not even have a word for brain. These were ancient people. You and I need to understand that when we're reading in our Bible. You may read that expression, the seed of man. What that is, is simply the ancients believed that the man carried the seed of a child, and he would plant that seed in the womb of a woman. That seed would grow, much like a seed in the ground, and nine months later, that woman would give birth to a child, all originating with the seed of man. This is how they thought. This is what they knew. This is the world in which they lived. So you and I need to understand that. And one thing we need to stop doing is we need to stop trying to find modern science in the Bible because people, it's just not there. Now, anytime I share this, I'll often have people go, whoa, 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 whoa. How can I trust my Bible if it's not scientifically correct? People, you need to understand. These people that God chose to write, they had no modern scientific understanding. They were pre-scientific, and God knew that when he chose them. Because the message of the Bible is not about science. It's a theological message. And that message is as relevant today as it was when those individuals wrote it. It is a message that transcends time, and it transcends all of our understanding of the world. And we need to keep that in mind. You can trust your Bible. It is a book that gives you the truth about God and how He interacts with you and me. Well, let me give you another aspect of cultural context. The biblical writers had existing social practices that were normative to the world and the times in which they live. You need to know that the cultural practices that they engaged were often very different from the cultural practices in the 21st century. You also need to understand that God did not originate those ancient cultural practices. They were already there. When God chose Abraham, Abraham and every other biblical character already had a culture, already had social customs with many elements that were common to the wider world of the ancient Near East and the Mediterranean. 
It just was. And God knew that when he chose them. There were family customs like polygamy. It was common in the world in which the Bible writers lived. The personal hygiene or the lack thereof. Divisions between rich and poor, and they were very wide. There was slavery, and slavery was normative. These were all part of the world in which these biblical writers lived, and we need to be aware of that when we're reading in our Bible. And then finally, let me add this. The biblical writers had an ancient Hebrew cosmology or understanding of the world in which they lived. And that ancient cosmology is vastly different from what you and I know to be true today. These ancient Hebrews understood the world in three parts. There were the heavens, then there was the earth upon which they stood, and then there was the underworld, or Sheol. They understood the world to be flat, that is, the earth was flat, and it was held up by pillars that went deep into Sheol. They believed that there was a hard dome, or what the Bible calls a firmament. When you read in Genesis, and you talk about God in that first chapter separating the waters from the waters, the waters beneath, and the waters above, that is, the waters above the firmament, Well, they believed that the sky above them, there was a ceiling. And during the day when they looked up, That sky was blue. (laughs) And blue is what? Blue is the color of water, which is why they believed that water was on top of that firmament. And they believed that when it rained, God simply opened the windows of heaven and the water would come down. Paul, writing in Philippians in chapter 2, said, There's a day coming. When every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will confess above in heaven. He says they will confess on the earth, those that are living at that time, and even those under the earth in Sheol. What Paul was doing was simply revealing his cosmology, his understanding of the world in which he lived. A three-part cosmology, if you will, the heavens, the earth, and Sheol. And you and I, when we're reading in our Bibles, we need to be aware that these biblical writers had an ancient Hebrew cosmology of the world in which they lived. Culture, cultural context, it matters. It's very important. And you and I as Bible readers, and ultimately those that are trying to understand that which we're reading and then apply it to our lives, we need to always keep in the back of our mind that there is a cultural context we need to be aware of. And that cultural context is the context in which the biblical writers lived because they were the context. They were the people who produced that book. That is why I said at the very beginning of this session, this book, the Bible, was not originally written to you and to me. Yes, it was written for us, but it was not written originally to us. And for us to really begin to understand We need to have a cultural context in mind. Context, it is so, so very important. Well, hey, listen, if this has been helpful for you, why don't you hit that like button? 
And I would love for you to subscribe to this channel because there's a lot of great content coming. And again, I am so glad you chose to join me today on TED Talk. And I look forward to that next session when we come together again.